This episode of Live in Corporate is brought to you by Blind. Blind is a trusted community of more than 5 million verified professionals. On Blind, professionals connect and have honest discussions about salaries and what it's really like to work at or interview with a company. You can also join your private company channel to have a candid and safe conversation with your coworkers about what's really going on. And because it's anonymous, you can be honest and trust what you read. Check out teamblind.com to get the latest insights and the answers to your workplace questions. Hey, 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 how are y'all doing? And we gonna get it started. You know, I um, did a, a post this morning because I was thinking about why we have to talk about anti-blackness, why we have to talk about racism, why there are so many amazing anti-racist educators so many amazing writers, so many amazing storytellers, so many amazing teachers. It's tons, right? Tons and tons of them, right? And, and, and my question is, we have all these resources, we have everything, but things are not happening, right? Things are not going the way that we would think they would be based on all the resources that we have out there, right? I mean, I, I could think of, I was thinking yesterday, right? I did an interview um, on uh, Transcend with M, uh, Monica Edwani's podcast. And she was asking me, you know, like what makes me me or, you know, how did I become Vonda or, you know, what brought me to this point? And I thought about the fact that, you know, I've been on LinkedIn, I think since about 2006 or 2007. I mean, literally, almost since it was invented, <laughs> I like to say, right? Um, and when I think about watching LinkedIn, I think about watching educators on LinkedIn, I think about watching the HR space, the human capital space, the workplace of the future space. When I think about watching all of that, right? Okay, so I've been on it forever. <laughs> and you know what's funny about that is I feel like you know, I really just started getting more engaged, I would say in the past three years or so, right? And more so, you know, George Floyd kind of took me over, over the edge and then seeing nobody do anything about it really got to this point. But when I think about watching LinkedIn and I think about watching, uh, you know, the conversations about um, DEI, about equity, about organizational effectiveness about um we used to call it organizational dynamics we call it you know all these other things but what it all boils down to is that people in this world right do not want black people to have equal rights literally that is everything what it all boils down to is people don't want black people to have equal rights they don't want us to have equal access to anything right and so we have to unpack the deeper part of that and we have to unpack the piece that is more uh it's, it's under there and the piece under it is why don't people want black people to have equality why don't people want black people to get paid the same dollar that a white man gets paid? Why is Vonda's dollar and Wendy's dollar as black women, why is our dollar only worth 58 cents? 
I'm not having it. I am not going to let it go unaddressed. I'm not going to let it go undiscussed. I'm not going to not talk about it because it's uncomfortable for some people, right? And it's uncomfortable for white people, frankly, because white people and non-black people, I'm, I'm going to break that down a little bit more today because I did a lot of research over the last uh, week. Um, non-black people advantage all of them, all non-people, Black people who are not Black, they all have an advantage over Black people. That is, they can always say, I am not Black. So I'm going to repeat that. <clears throat> all non-Black people, they can always say, well, at least I'm not Black. And why do I bring that up, y'all? And why is it important to talk about that non-Black people can always say, and they always have in their back pocket, at least I'm not Black? Well, it's important to talk about that because that is the thing that keeps non-Black people from locking arms with Black people to fight for equality for all of us. That is the thing that has made queer rights and um, disability rights and neurodivergent rights and all of this other stuff overtake the goals and the efforts towards Black equality. It's a distraction. So, Wendy, I don't know if you got a chance to read this week. Um, I did a, a I have a newsletter that I started on LinkedIn um, in July. And this week I posted an article called Dump DEI. And basically, I think that we should dump DEI because it's been nothing but a distraction and that we need to focus on anti-Blackness instead. Because if we focus on anti-Blackness, then queer rights and disability rights and veterans rights and everything else will get, uh, you know, handled, right? If we focus on all of it. But if we continue to break out all of these little, you know, employee resource groups, right? And we continue to break out all of these efforts and, and, and continue to ignore the issue. And the issue is people, definitely people in America, and now I'm seeing and, and being able to get confirmation, right, that in Europe also, there nobody wants Black people to have equal rights, Nobody wants black people to be seen the same. Okay, I'll send it to you. Um, uh, and it's not too long. It's maybe like a four minute article, but nobody wants black people to have equal rights because everybody else wants to always be able to say, at least I'm not black. So even you think about how Asian people, Asian women now are at 95% of a white man's salary. Asian women salary has overtaken black women's salary, overtaken white women's salary, overtaken Latina women's salary. Black women get paid 58 cents on a dollar to a white man, Asian women getting paid 95 cents on a dollar. So again, right, everybody climbs on the backs of black women to get ahead and everybody gets mad and calls us bitches when we complain and get loud about how we're being treated. I'm done with it. And what I have to do, and what I realized in this interview with Monica, which was my whole point of telling you that, is that even though I've been trying to run away from doing DEI work, equity work, I can't 
because that's who I am, right? And that is not only what I experience, right, in my everyday existence as a Black person, like y'all do, right, is, is this fight. I don't want to be fighting. I want to be chilling. I want to be literally working on planning my Hawaii vacation. That's what I want to be working on and figuring out, you know, what kind of house can I rent, you know, uh, like and all of that. Like, that's what I want to be doing. I don't want to be talking about, you know, how black women like myself are getting paid 58 cents to a man's dollar. So then what? In three years, it's going to be 50 cents. So then for the 10 million dollars that I should have in the bank, I only have a million. And, and the white dude has 10, 100 or whatever. So what we have got to do, right, is have the uncomfortable conversation, which is all about unlearning anti-blackness because anti-blackness is what seeps through everything, right? It seeps through our, our way that we operate. It seeps through in how we have to navigate. So I was thinking about it this morning, right? When I was dropping the dog off and I was like, okay, um, all the things that happened to me in a typical week and I work for myself. I don't have to go out on a job and I don't even have to leave my house if I don't want to, right? I get my groceries delivered. My assistant, she comes over and works here, right? I don't even have to go out if I don't really want to, but I do go out. And I go out usually to get a matcha or to take my dog somewhere or, you know, get my nails done or whatever, right? And just in my normal course of living life, just in going out, somebody will give me the white power sign. <laughs> somebody will call me a nigga while I'm sitting in my car, just minding my own business, right? Or something else might happen. That is just the life of being me. Right. And, and, and just living, doing my ordinary thing. If that stuff wasn't happening, if that wasn't part of my existence, I wouldn't have a need to talk about it. If that wasn't what I experienced every day. Right. It wouldn't be anything for me to talk about, but it is something that I experienced. And so it's stuff that I talk about. And because I'm a thinker, because I'm educated, because I am a learner and I'm constantly growing, I see how things are interrelated and I see how things work together. And I see that um, I don't like how shit's going. <laughs> and, and I have to figure out and had to or get the opportunity, right, to decide what am I going to do at this moment? What am I going to do at the moment when Black people are being treated? Right now, it might feel and seem like, you know, things um, are bad. And I think it's because they are. But the reason that we're seeing it in a different way is because of social media. The reason we're seeing it in a different way, right, is because of all of the avenues that we have to get news. And so it's right here in our faces. And being on LinkedIn, right, being able to see how there is all this great education out there. These all these programs every week, somebody is doing some kind of event, right, to publicize, you know, some kind of DEI event, a DEI conference, this conference, that conference, the other conference. We're always seeing conferences. But what are these conferences talking about? 
Are these conferences given the same damn statistics that we have known and seen for years? Is that my show friend over there? Yes, it is. What's up, girl? You know, these conferences are doing the same same thing. They're talking about information that we already know. But I want to talk about what has to be done. And I want to talk about the core of it. And I think that what has happened is, right, especially Black people and especially Black women, when you have to work in corporate spaces, because I've been there, I've done it, right? When you have to work in these corporate spaces, you have a different set of shackles. You have a different set of, of rules and a different things that is required of you, right? That you can't just say any old thing because the second you complain, you go on the list. The list is, okay, this person is a risk to the company because they are reporting mistreatment. Now, like I talked about last week, right? Even if, right? And even though, right? Uh, companies have insurance to sue, to pay for, for employees that sue, right? What they know is that they don't ever have to be accountable for doing the right thing because nobody is going to make them be held accountable. And so for me, right, I had to decide for myself and I had to wake up and be like, I can't do it no more. But that's that's me and that's my life. But at the same time, right, recognizing and understanding how these systems are at play. LinkedIn is like one place where, you know, we can kind of take the conversation public. But then when it comes to action, when it comes to putting things in place, right, that's when we have to jump off of these platforms and we have to, you know, have a meeting of the minds. And then we got to figure out what is the action plan, because the DEI space, right, and all of that, right, it doesn't impact anything because nobody they don't care about it. They're using it, right? as a distraction and that distraction is to say oh is that that the purpose of the distraction is say is so that black people never get reparations so that uh native american indians never get land back none of it right that that is the whole purpose of upholding anti-blackness because at the end of the day y'all there's a whole segment right of the world of the population that gets to say, well, I'm not black, so it doesn't affect me. And that is the crux of it. Diversion, <laughs> diversion and illusion is what it has been all along, all along, right? Distraction, diversion, deflection, right? All along. So that's why we have to dump DEI and we have to alleviate anti-blackness. Now, I'm about to say some things that I know y'all, right? We 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 vibe and y'all get me. Oh, hey, today is my one year anniversary being on Living Corporate Network and being a live stream talk show host. So I'm super happy that I get to spend this time with the three of y'all. Thank you so much. Um, I want y'all to make sure you follow Zach Nunn and all the other creators on Living Corporate. They do some amazing content. And, you know, he is building something phenomenal and I'm just happy to be, you know, a part of it. Um, and, and so I appreciate it so much. Thank you all for supporting me, you know, um, and I'm not no Steve Harvey fan because I got problems with him, too. But he talks about how, you know, people who really support you, they will help you. Right. People who support you, they will help you. And so by y'all hanging out with me live, that is helping me. And that's letting me know that you supporting me. And I think the other piece is. 
Y'all know me. I ride for black people. I ride hard for black people. And I ride hardest for the most marginalized black person, which is black women. And y'all know that my reason for riding, that's this one right here. Boom. Right. And so, I mean, it is what it is. But I'm also riding for myself. Right. Because the thing is, right, if we do not uh, fight for ourselves, then what? It's our duty to fight for our freedom and it is our duty to win, period. And, you know, y'all know I had asked about black teachers, right, a couple weeks ago, last Saturday, right? And, and come to find out that hardly any black people that I know now have had any black teachers. It broke my heart. I have to tell y'all, that broke my heart because, but it opened my eyes at the same time, which, which I mean, I don't even know how to take that. It broke my heart. And it opened my eyes. I had so many black teachers, so many. And guess what? Even though they made us read that white people stuff, you know, that history about George Washington and Betsy Ross and Mary Katie Stanton and all them people, they gave me books about Sojourner Truth and Phyllis Wheatley and Asada Shakur and Audra Lorde and Bell Hooks and Harriet Tubman, and, 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 right? So my Black women teachers that I had, right, they gave me books on Baldwin. They read, you know, from W.E. Du Bois and Frederick Douglass and, you know, Stokey Karma. Like, literally, my teachers helped to make me pro-Black. And so when I found out that so many Black people didn't have Black teachers, it opened my eyes in such a way, y'all, that that was what, it, it was like the nail, ah, that's not a good, I don't want to say that. It was the deciding factor for me that I had to publish that article that I wrote literally right after George Floyd died. I've been saying DEI is a joke. And I had all these titles. One of them was DEI is a joke. One of them was Coons and Karens in the corporate kitchen, why DEI doesn't work. I had all of these articles, y'all, because I wrote literally, I have four books written, none that I have felt ready to publish yet. Um, and the one that's about this topic, about DEI and why it is distraction and illusion, right? Um, I was afraid to publish it. Because I know so many people in DEI. I know people trying to do the work. And I understand the, the objectives of the work. But I also, because of my experience, not only having Black teachers, because of my education, because of my time in corporate America, because of what gets done to me and what got done to me each and every time I went into corporate America, I go in and come out. I got a, I got a funny relationship with corporate America too, but I ain't going back in. But it's not even funny, like, it's not like my relationship with, uh, you know, uh, Steve Harvey <laughs> or my relationship with uh, Dave Chappelle. Uh-uh. My relationship with corporate America is one of, I followed you, I watched you, I dipped in and out with you because you made me promises, you lied, I, I broke up with you, then I let you reel me back in, then I fell for the okie doke, boom, boom, boom. I've been doing that on and off, y'all, for 35 years, for 35 years. Literally, I've been doing that on and off since, yeah, 1988. On and off, going in and out of corporate America, taking these corporate jobs, right? And each and every time 
no matter whether DEI exists as an entity, as an organization, as a strategy, as a department, it doesn't matter. However, DEI exists, the outcome is always the same, right? Um, it's, it's all smoke and mirrors. It's all, you know, I always tell people one of my experiences at a company that I had a lot of admiration for was like, if y'all ever saw the, um, you ever saw uh, the Wizard of Oz, the original Wizard of Oz, the white one. And, you know, after they find out, right, how to everything, they go through all this trouble to get to the whiz and they get to the whiz and it ain't nothing but an old man in a dirty bathroom, right? Pushing buttons. That's what we in. That's what we're living in. But people are too distracted and, and too damaged, right, to really realize it. So, you know, when I think about anti-blackness, right, and how it plays itself out in corporate right settings in corporate america in any setting whether we're talking about you know institutional settings it doesn't matter it plays itself the self out the same time it is there to traumatize black people it's there to terrorize black people and it's there to 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 destroy us that's what it's for because black people were never meant to be people we were never meant to participate in this society fully and I need y'all to hear that. We were never meant as, as being a full participant in the American dream, the democracy experiment that they started putting together in 1774. They were not. We were not part of it. And so learning how to read, right? That was a crime. And the thing I love, and I want y'all, if you don't know about Phyllis Wheatley, look her up. I loved her as a child that I used to do reports on her and try to find long lost writings and things about her because she learned how to read, right? As an enslaved little girl. And why was it that they did not want us to know how to read? Because they knew that if we had knowledge of who we were, then they would not be able to keep us enslaved, right? And so now fast forward centuries later, we enslaved up here because we don't realize that we are still enslaved. We don't realize it because anti-blackness is so deeply embedded. It's so entrenched. It's embedded in black people. It's embedded in black people. I want y'all to think about, I talk about music a lot because I love music. Music is my life. Music is my life. And I think about the fact that my glasses are dirty and I'm having a little thing. Hold on a second. I think about the fact, I got to clean my glasses, but I'm going to keep talking. I think about the fact that the way Black people were denied the access to read, right? When we were enslaved. Why didn't they want us to know how to read? Because then we would be participants, right, in their system. We would be participants in their uh, systems, period, and their structures, right? The whole setup from the door, the whole setup, maybe this is an eyelash, the whole setup from the door, right? was a big grift, right? These Europeans had gone around the world and had decided they wanted 
Americas. They decided they wanted it. So what did they do? They came and figured it out. They did writings. I read many writings that Columbus wrote about the Native American people, the indigenous American Indians, and how he talked about how they were so, you know, nice and so this and that, that they were going to be easy to manipulate, y'all. And so, and, and, to, and to dominate. And so they made a plan that they was going to steal America. That's number one. And then they was like, okay, well, but damn, we got to do a lot of work to build this up. And so they decided they was going to steal human beings that they knew in Africa that created everything. Okay. Architecture, mathematics, science, medicine, everything. And they were like, okay, the only way to maintain this whole thing is to, oh, that's better, is to subjugate black people and make them believe that they are inferior. But the only way we can do that is by locking out access, right? They have to lock that out. So they had to steal everything. What in America is not stolen? Tell me. I had. To, I keep having this. I'm going to say it out loud for the first time, I think. Maybe I might have said it before. But I have this. I don't even know what to call it. I have a, an idea, a thought. And I don't know why, if America wants to have this face of being like, they're so great, why won't they do it? So I, th I think that as a gesture, a tiny gesture, right, to the indigenous Indians that we stole America from, I think what America could do, y'all, hear me out, this one thing, give back all of the national parks. That one thing. So you know how in every state in the country, there's this national park and that national park. Now I'm in, in the West Coast. There's tons of national parks out here that the government decided they should keep them. Just give that back. How about that, right? How Couldn't they just give that one thing back? And nobody would, they wouldn't lose anything. The government charges money for us to visit shit they stole. I'm gonna take a sip of tea on that. Our government charges us to visit parks that they stole. Come on, y'all. $2. Who pays? And um, depends on where you live. You pay $4 or $2 to park your car when you go to a national park. Some places you pay $10 or $12 for shit they stole. For shit they stole. So they had to do what? They had to call the Tainos savages. Savages. That, right? And so then, then, right? They didn't have all the manpower, all the energy, all the everything. So then they had to use black stolen Africans, right? To, to, to help cover all this over. When I lived in the East Coast, y'all, I think one of the reasons that I, I think I had so much struggle living on the East Coast and every time I would go uh, to certain places, I would have a lot of nightmares and have a lot of uh, visceral, visceral physical issues, right? And I think that it was because, right, stepping on top of ancestors, like, and, and living in buildings that are on top of, right, all the murder indigenous people, right? They did not send their best. I don't think they have too many good ones over there. 
right? They got smart ones that are smart enough to manipulate people into doing murder, rape, and pillaging. That's all they got. That, that I'm so excited about that. That's good. That's good. But think about that, you right? And I think all the time, right, um, about not having the sensitivity, right, to where people can feel like not giving land back is important. Like, like that, like that we don't owe or the European ancestors of America, they owe everything to the Indian people of America and to black people, right? I can't even imagine what the calculation is on what we would owe Native American people. I can't even imagine, y'all. We'd have to take the money of the entire gross national pro pro product, right, of America, right, um, and quadruple that, and that would that would be what we would owe to the Native American people. And we know damn well they're not ever giving the land back. They're not giving it back. They're not giving it back. But you know, at some point, a hundred million, exactly, a hundred million. How sickening! It's disgusting. It's disgusting. And where are the bodies at? Where are the bodies? Exactly. Right. And so it's so disgusting that we have got to bring out these things. I have a, I, I printed out a report this week. I don't know if y'all saw the report, the one that um, it had the exact uh, details around the wage gap. Right. That's the one that talks about how black women, we lost five cents last year. We went from 63 cents down to 58 cents. Right. In that report. Right. When you think about how people. Right. Are just OK with stepping on top and stepping over black people to continue to do their thing. It's because they can be anti-black because, like I said last week. Right. They can say at least it's not me. And I think that when it comes to Native Americans, right, the real Americans, <laughs> why we got to say Native Americans? It should be the Americans, right? When it comes to the Americans, the real Americans, right, for white people to have to admit that horrific stuff that they did. It would take a lot of soul searching and it takes a belief in something. Remember last week we talked about, I was telling y'all about New Pope uh, and he was in Canada, right? And the Cree uh, woman sang Old Canada, right? To New Pope. And because he apologized, right? For, for what they did. New Pope was only able to do that, y'all, because I think he has his own convictions right around his own beliefs about humanity and he knows that the native american people was owed an apology he knows that and so he gave it right and i think that was beautiful now new pope is only one person right and 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 he may be the global representation to for the catholic community but we know damn well he's not because the catholic community is that same community that put the previous president in the White House here and them same people contributing all that money to 
all the wars that we have in parts of the country that we don't need to be worried about, right? And and those same people that are anti-black. And so when we're thinking about anti-blackness showing up, it shows up in this way. So that term savage that they were using, right, for the Taino people, that's the same term they use for black people in Africa to the Africans. So as long as non-black people can separate themselves, right, and say, I'm not black, we're going to be stuck at this point. And so I say we have to alleviate anti-blackness and we have to do it by number one, calling out every time we notice anti-blackness, right? And so calling it out in ourselves, right? And calling it out in other people. And so what does that look like? Well, first of all, it looks like somebody saying something that is negative about black people, about indigenous people, period, point blank. And I'm not going to lump Asian people or Latino people, Spanish people, Hispanic people into what I'm talking about, because anti-blackness is that thing that allowed them to murder a hundred million human beings. Not a hundred million spiders or even bees. <laughs> and we need the bees. We need bees. We need spiders too. We need all the bugs. But, um, you know, these are human beings. And so the subjugation and the, and the exploitation and the being able to do that, that is still part of what is in white people's DNA. That's still in the Europeans' DNA. And if generation after generation didn't teach their other generation, hey, this is what your, your people did. We came over here on the Mayflower, right? And on the way over here, we kidnapped a whole bunch of people from Africa. Many of them people died. Some of them we just threw in the ships because they got sick or they tried to fight, right? They have to be honest about their lives, right? And so when I had asked the question a couple weeks ago about how many people have actually, you know, researched their own history, I wanted to know from white people. I want to know from non-Black people, especially. And I especially want to know from people working in the DEI field. How are you working in DEI and you haven't done your own homework? How are you working in DEI and you haven't worked through your family's ownership of human beings? How is it that you haven't worked through eight generations of cops in your family? How is it that you haven't worked through any of it. It's because you don't want to work through it because you haven't metabolized any kind of serious uh, emotions or pain. Because as a person that's not black in America, you get to hide. You get to be whoever you are and hide from any impact of anti-blackness. And so the Belgians kill between, right. Oh, and it's way more than 15 million Congolese. I think it's more than that. I think I think it's more than that because of something that I read recently. Um, it's way more than that. OK, so you think about the depravity necessary to know that you participated in genocide and rape and theft.
but theft is not a big deal to these people, right? But knowing that you participated in it, your ancestors participated in it, but now you benefit from it. So my new article that I'm going to uh, get finished for uh, Monday is about that piece of it and breaking down that you, even if you want to say you didn't participate, you benefit theft as a way of life, like solution software as service, theft as a way of life, T-A-A-L. That's what it is, right? T-A-A-L, right? And, and so that's what we are faced with. And, and so when you think about, right, the, the current of anti-Blackness and you think about trying to move it so that people can get everything that keeps us operating in these same frameworks, we're able to do it because of anti-blackness we're able to do it because of how anti-blackness shows up in each of us as an individual person so first thing you have to do like i talked about before is that you have to examine yourself because you have to see how anti-blackness shows up for you so as a black person now y'all it really took me doing that survey about the teachers figuring out why i don't have any why i don't have anti-blackness why I love black people, why I don't care whether I'm like uh, Angie, uh, Angie Stone, right? My brother, right? My Wall Street brother down on the corner, brother. I love all black people, right? And, and I guess the reason I do and I don't have that separation is because I know that the reason people don't like black people and the reason even some black people don't like themselves is not our fault. It's not our fault. It is the fault of these same people that stole America. It's Europeans, these students. They was, you know, over there crawling around on caves in the mountains, the Caucasus, the D students, right? Because the kings and queens didn't come over here, right? They stayed in Europe doing their thing, collecting jewels and sending, who are they going to send to do the dirty work? Right? Who are they going to send? Can you imagine Queen Elizabeth strapping on a um AR or I guess you know a rifle back then and and and, and going around the world? No. All of those, you know, uh dudes over there wearing their pantaloons and wigs, was they going to do the fighting? No. Who they had to send? They had to send the the rapists and the murders to do the job that's who you send you know they say don't bring a, a knife to a gunfight and maybe too y'all that's why i'm out here <laughs> I, I tell people all the time like somebody said you know i had made a comment about that crying ceo and somebody was like oh well this is dragging your profile down it ain't dragging my damn profile down i'm from philly i know how to fight and i had time and i had time to call him BS on his nonsense, some white person crying because they had to fire people. He didn't give a shit. Now, maybe some of those people were white and he felt bad a little bit, but really he didn't because two, two, three days before that, him and his partner just put down on a mansion. So he was full of shit. Mr. White Tears. That's his name. M <laughs> Mr. White Tears. And now that's the trend. And now, you know, they're going, oh, everybody going online. Ooh. And he made a word. Oh, he came back with more. <laughs> Okay, y'all, he don't have nothing to do with his life, number one. 
he also is uh his company does a linkedin post um uh, optimization so which is so so again right they all in on it it's always about the money like it's always all about the money right watch wolf of wall street everybody's in on it but but i'm out here because i don't care that man did not give two shits like my second husband used to say he ain't give two shits about them people he was trying to figure out is his algorithmic you know, formula stuff that LinkedIn is paying him millions and millions and millions of dollars to do is the shit working. And so he figured, what can I post to try to see what's what? And because he is so centered around himself, he couldn't imagine that people would advocate and speak up for other people and like call him a jackass for, for being an ass, right? But literally, you know, my advice to any CEO out here, uh, any white dude, CEO, any Asian dude, CEO, any Asian woman, any CEO out here, when you have to make tough decisions, I'm going to recommend you get yourself a black woman PR person. Uh, boom. And I'm going to just leave it like that. Uh, but, you know, y'all don't know what you're doing. And, you know, until they finally take me down and ban me from LinkedIn, every time I see an ignorant ass post like that, and if I have time, Oh, I'm going to respond to it if I have time. Now, I'm not going to waste my time, but if I have time, I'm going to respond to it. And and I'm going to take a screenshot if I really feel like somebody might, you know, report it. But who cares? I don't care about those people at all. I care about black people. I care about indigenous people. But mostly of all y'all, I care about black women. I care about black women because this world, the people in this world who have the power they hate black women and they be trying to destroy us all the time. That's why I started off my day with black girl soldier. Let them go down. Exactly. Let them go down. Right. They should, they should go down, but if they don't want to go down, a black woman is the only one that could really help them is my point. Right. They, that's the only one that could really help them. That is the only one. But how about this? We, as black women, and I know me, I'm not waiting for nobody to come and save us because I know no one's coming. Because how long, y'all, have white people, white dudes been in charge? And how long have white women given up their own power to let the white men be in charge? Well, it doesn't work for me and it doesn't work for us. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to spend all of my energy focus on alleviating anti-blackness. Like that is where, where, if, where it is. And I'm going to be doing that right from the standpoint of alleviating it, helping people alleviate it in and of themselves first. But the first thing we have to do is we got to unpack it. So how do you unpack it? So first is examining your own damn beliefs and who you are and, 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 and how you got to that point. So I had a ton of black teachers, tons. So my first thing that I'm going to recommend for people to start unlearning and unpacking anti-blackness number one do some googling and start reading audra lord and bell hooks and maya angelou and sojourner truth and writings from harriet tubman and frederick Douglass and jay read because if you read stuff by black people that was going through the 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 thing at the time and you read how strong in their own convictions they are 
about fighting for black freedom, it can't make you nothing but proud. But if you grew up on the white version and was given the whitewash history by people, right? If you didn't have black teachers, but if you had a bookstore, right? It did the thing. It did the thing, right? Because doesn't having reading Baldwin, I mean, come on, a gay black dude in the 50s that, that told America, kiss my ass. You don't love me. That's what he told them, right? And then people was mad at him because he had a, you know, some white partners. I like, 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 you know, look, if I would have grown up in Oakland, I might be living in Cuba. <laughs> now, if I had grown up in Oakland or Harlem, I might even not be living in America right now because I would have been way more uh, radical. I would have been way more radical, way more revolutionary, right? When it comes to blackness, um, like I like way more. And people used to call me radical from back back then. I remember, and I'm thinking, well, radical is not bad. Why are y'all acting like radical is bad? Radical is getting to the root of something, right? Radical is like breaking it down. And so radical, radical change, right? Radical result. Radical is like getting at the root. Radical is how things get done. And so taking an approach, right? That's radical is like, okay, who are you, right? As, as a person. And what do you believe about blackness? So if you didn't have any black teachers and you didn't have an amazing ass, you know, black bookstore, I'm sure it was Black Panthers that had a black bookstore in your, that, I mean, you know, right? That, that was like, hey, you know, we need to make sure our people get educated because it's not going to get into white history books, right? Just like LinkedIn is going to ban people, right? Somebody was asking a question about, you know, um, people spelling white with a Y or putting periods or whatever, because the algorithms are targeting, right? Uh, people who are trying to uh, educate and talk about racial justice. So that's why people do it. And so what we have to do is as black people, we have to make sure that we understand who we are, that we are the ancestors of kings and queens that got stolen from a country three times as big as the whole con the continent of Africa is bigger than the continent of America, three times as big. We got stolen to help people steal America. That is what happened. And so we have to be able to say that that doesn't make us inferior people. And so if we don't recognize that, number one, African people, Black people all around the world, right, uh, our condition is not our fault. And we are not inferior just because we were treated inferiorly. And still being treated inferiorly today. That's not our fault, but we have to, it's our duty to fight for our freedom and it's our duty to win because they are. It makes Europeans, they are morally inferior because Europeans and their descendants are the only ones that have gone around the whole world raping, killing, and stealing everything. It's Europeans' fault that that people that we have mixed race people. It's their fault. If they would have left Africans in Africa, left the Native Americans in America where they was, 
and left everybody alone, we wouldn't have DEI. DEI is their fault. Let me tell you, I grew up, I think I told y'all, my babysitter, her grandmother was a formerly enslaved woman. My babysitter, I was born in 1969, okay? My babysitter was born in 1898, okay? So she was an old lady when I was a baby. She used to tell me about white people. And she used to tell me the horrible stuff they did. And she made me kind of afraid of white people, um, but not in a fearful way, like paralyzed, but in a way like a healthy fear, right? Uh, An honest fear and a respectful fear, right? And and to always know that the Europe the, that their moral failings, right, are evident in what they have done. They killed all the Native American people and used African people to cover it up clean it up and to build all of the stuff that we have now. And we are all, right, benefiting from anti-Blackness. Even I benefit from it, right? But it's not right. And going forward, anti-Blackness needs to be alleviated. And so first and foremost, right, is, you know, the mission, I feel like it's my personal mission to dump DEI because it doesn't work. And it's nothing but distraction, right? illusion, <laughs> right? It's disinformation. It's every bad D word. It's every bad D word, all of it, right? So when I was coming up with the article, I was like, dump it, delete it, you know, drop it. You know, I'm like, I, I'm like, kick it, kill it, shoot it, stab it, punch it in the face, kick it in the testicles. Like it needs to die because it's not working and it's not going to work. So I, I have a, um, you know, a whole initiative that I'm, I'm doing and I'm, I'm pivoting a little bit. I'm still doing my mentorship, you know, and all of that. But my focus, what are y'all going to hear me talking about uh, very strategically, very specifically is alleviating anti-blackness and how we have to do it. And I'm going to be calling out anti-blackness when I see it like that. I'm going to be educating people um, it, because anti uh, alleviating anti-blackness is going to be the thread through which I am just like pulling everything right and talking about because that's why people things are messed up. That's why they overturn Roe v. Wade, y'all. I'm going to say this again. Roe v. Wade is not about black people and making black women have a tougher time with access to abortions. They have been trying to kill black people since we asked for the right to vote. Maternal death rates is four times higher and sometimes five times higher for black women than it is for other women in this country. If abortion was about keeping black, was, was about anything trying to make black women have babies, it doesn't have nothing to do with that. This Roe v. Wade overturn is about making more white slaves. And y'all need to understand that. White slaves are poor white people. The same people that's throwing me the white power sign the same people that got the doe tread on me flags and the Confederate flags and the, uh, you know, blue lives matter and all that. That's they making your slip. Those are the slaves. Those are the slaves that they're building up. They not trying to build up, you know, more black slaves. They don't want black people in this country because black people have shown our value that we are capable of doing um, everything that everybody else can do and better because when we have the opportunity, we're the number one. My girl retiring, y'all, Serena, 
Yeah, I'm a big tennis fan. I've been following Serena her whole career. 28 years. She's retiring. The GOAT. The GOAT. Every, every top, you know, performer, whether we talk about athletics, you know, arts, uh, academics, it doesn't matter. When Black people get the chance, when we get the opportunity, we thrive, we shine. But anti-Blackness is the thing, right, that keeps us locked out because everybody else can 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 continue to crap on us. Like uh, Godfrey, the comedian, says, everybody in the world can shit on Black people because you can always say, I'm not Black. I'm not Black. I'm proud to be Black. Yes, it's hard, <laughs> but it's also okay. But I'm happy to be Black. I would rather be a Black woman knowing that I'm getting paid the worst treated the worst, respected the least, and be a full functioning, fully moral, intelligent person that is fighting for freedom of myself, of my children, of your children, and of the world. Because until we erase anti-Blackness, the climate crisis is going to continue. I don't know if y'all heard last or this week, I would say last week, you know, these scientists out here, all of the scientists, they are screaming. They are trying to tell the world how to get better because we are undergoing a lot of serious problems with pandemics, with the climate, uh, you know, viruses, all kind of stuff. And people aren't doing shit. Last week, another, this week, another scientist killed themselves publicly, right, in, um, Australia, in Australia, scientists are taking their own lives because people aren't listening to them. And the reason people aren't listening is because people know that the impact of things that are bad, they happen to black people first. That's why nobody gives a shit about the Congo. That's why nobody cares about Darfur and nothing else. Nobody cares because it's black people. When they were throwing African women off the trains, in Poland, who were trying to escape Ukraine, and the Black African men were begging to let the women get on it. They were like, well, at least can the women get on the damn train? And they said no. That is all anti-Blackness, because Black people are not what? So here's how we got to do this, y'all. We have got to alleviate anti-blackness we got to stamp it out first and foremost we have to examine our own attitudes and beliefs about blackness and black people and secondly we have to challenge our beliefs about black people about ourselves in the face of whiteness we have to challenge it in the face of whiteness up close in their face and personal and so what does that look like? That looks like every time somebody do something, you can point it out, it's anti-Black. That is anti-Black. Would you do that to a white person? Would you do it to a white person? And you know, one thing I think is interesting, and I want to hear y'all hear, hear what you think. I didn't see any Asian people that are in DEI, high-profile high Asian people. I didn't see anybody comment on my article. And I know they saw it because I'm connected to them. And then why is that? I didn't see any Asian queer people commenting on my article. And I didn't see any white queer people commenting on my article. That's all I'm going to say. What does that mean? That the queer Asian people and the queer white people are not commenting 
it's because they know that they haven't done their own work to examine their own inner 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 anti-blackness. They haven't examined it. They haven't done their own homework, right? So when I think about why DEI is not moving forward, and I ask the hard questions about have you done some research on your own history? And 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 are you looking at how you are contributing? So if you didn't cause it, because oh, I wasn't back here in 1700, 1800, I wasn't here. Okay, your family was here, but if you're not working to fix it, then you're contributing. So are you causing or are you contributing? But they were certainly commenting about that. Certainly commenting about that. But do you never hear them comment about their shit? So comment about that. So comment about that. Right? Comment about it. And so that's how we got to do it. That's how we got to do it. And that's what y'all going to hear me do. You are going to hear me comment about it constantly. I'm going to write about it. The book is going to be called Dump DEI. That's what I came up with. The podcast, Dump DEI, right? And the event, Destination Dump DEI Live. I'm going to paste the link in here for y'all. But literally, it is literally you go to dumpdei.com and that's the direction. That's the direction where I'm going. And so we have got to look for the motivation that matters. And we have to look for the meaning that makes sense. And in order to move into another direction, in order to really make something happen, we have got to alleviate anti-blackness. But the only way, right, a big one, <laughs> a big one. And, and you know, it's so funny. I don't, I don't like that word. And I was like, what is the word that is going to really like get it, right? But we need a big dump a big, the biggest dump ever, the biggest one. That's the one we need for this, right? And so I want to just tell y'all, thank you so much for hanging out with this series. Thanks for joining me here on the Living Corporate Network. And hey, thanks for hanging out. And um, hey, y'all, we are in this thing together and we're going to level up. We are doing it and it is our duty to fight for our freedom is our duty to win. Thank you so much. Thanks for hanging out and I'll see you next time. Bye. Live in Corporate is brought to you by Doximity. Doximity is committed to fostering an inclusive and diverse work environment where differences are valued, practices are equitable, and employees experience a sense of belonging that allows them to bring their full, authentic selves daily. As medicine's largest network, there's an elevated level of responsibility to everything we do. We don't take that responsibility lightly and are committed to working towards a more equitable world inside and beyond our virtual office walls. So if you want to learn more about Doximity, go to your app store and type in D-O-X-I-M-I-T-Y. Again, that's D-O-X-I-M-I-T-Y.